Soccer Nation, your authoritative source for NCAA Division I collegiate soccer, hosted by Oklahoma Sooners head coach Matt Mott, Rice Owls head coach Brian Lee, and the Duke Blue Devils head coach Robbie Church. They've got the insights, strategies, and insider stories you won't hear anywhere else. From recruiting to national championships, the coaches have it covered. So lace up and let's hit the pitch with Coach Mott, Coach Lee, and Coach Church. College Soccer Nation, what's good? This is Matt Mott, head coach of the Oklahoma Sooners. Bringing you another show here, an exciting show, end of the season show. I'm joined with Brian Lee and Robbie Church will be along with us a little bit later. Uh, but we are very excited to also, oh, sorry, Brian, how are you? <laughs> Brian Lee, how I'm are you? I'm doing great. I, I know you're excited about getting the other Brian on. One of us just won a national championship. So yes. I know you're yes. excited to get him on, but you almost forgot me from the get-go. Get yeah. And you said you, you opened with uh, what's good, College Soccer Nation or whatever you say. I'll tell you what's good. The Florida State Seminoles women's (laughs) soccer team. They are are pretty good. They are extremely good. Yes. And without further ado, we have, we told you we'd bring him on. We efforted him. We got him. Brian Penske, the head coach of the national champion Florida State Seminoles. A little round of applause from us. And uh, certainly will be the national coach of the year. There's no way he can't be undefeated season. We are run through the ACC, won the double in the ACC, and then on into the national championship. One of the best seasons in history, certainly um, in recent history. And and so congratulations, Brian. Well, I know you've been on before, but welcome back to College Soccer Nation. Thank you, guys. Appreciate you having me back on. And you know what's wild is I, I realized this a day or two ago. This is, you are right, this is my second time on. The last time I was on, was literally the afternoon that Mark resigned. Oh, wow. Was it really? Oh, you know, I think you're right. You're right. I got it right at the end. That's right. Yes. I got a text from Colby and from, uh, I got a three-way text thread with Colby and Wes. And uh, and Colby's text, I think during the show, I I looked at my phone and it said something like, Kokorian out, something like that. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't. (laughs) So, so here we are. Here we are. Yes. Wow. Well, hopefully we're not out again. Out for you. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, that's awesome. Well, what what a year. What a team. So fun to watch. But what I wanted to start out with, Brian, is give us a little chronological um, discussion about the season. Like a couple questions I have in here is like, uh, how long into preseason? Did you know what you had with that attacking group and Dudley, how special she was going to be? And then just walk us through, maybe let's start with the non-conference. Like as you started to play games and you started to see the team come together, you know, what were some of your thoughts as, you know, how special maybe you thought this group could be? Yeah, you know, um, what's so interesting about this team, and we had a little bit of a team uh, kind of final dinner slash banquet the other night, and I I said this to, to the group, it's really true. It was it was a different season because, fortunately, um, we had, we had kids that played at the World Cup, right? And that included Jody Brown, that included Joe Ekajini, right? And so they weren't back till right before our first weekend. We went to Texas, played A and M and TCU, 
Jody only played about 15 minutes on the whole weekend. Joe was just joining us back. At the time, we were playing Dudley wide. Piazza Olsen was our center forward. So the team was really a work in progress, and we only had five non-conference games. We played Mm. 15 regular season games. So we played two that weekend without without those two players or with one one and a half of them. And then Leilani Nesbitt, who's our, our six, she was out that weekend with a hip flexor. Then we had two weeks off because we didn't have a game the second weekend of the season. And then uh, we were really kind of trying to put the pieces together. It was a new team. We lost our two tens. Our two tens a year ago were Jenna Neiswanger and Clara Robbins. So honestly, and, and, and obviously you guys know Florida State soccer, right? And the standard here is crazy. And our players live try to live up to that standard every day, every game. And it's an unfair standard. And they're they're incredibly hard on their se- themselves. Um, at times they're hard on us as coaches. And so, and, and, and I said this in the press conference after the game, we literally, after nine games, I think our ninth game was against Miami. We beat Miami 2-0. Um, um, we went to, I think, 8-0-1. And the next morning we had a video session. And I swear our video session was a morgue okay our team thought we were terrible they thought that our possession was terrible they thought we couldn't score um they really i i i sat there and i was trying to convince our team that hey guys we're not that bad and then that next game that was a i think a friday night game single game weekend then the next week we went to uh we went to louisville and we played louisville and i had i did this whole uh excel spreadsheet with current stats in our 23 season our our our, a bunch of stats in our 22 season and then a bunch of stats from the 21 team which was obviously marks last fall and i showed them i said look these are the categories where we are measuring up to those last two teams and in some cases a little ahead a some cases a little bit behind and they sat there like okay all right maybe maybe we are okay um because we really hadn't had that many good wins at the time. Our schedule was so so. Our best result at that point was probably was was TCU and 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 uh, and A and M right. And they were kind of struggling a little bit by their respective standards. We had tied, I think, uh, UNC at that point, and then we had a couple more games where we were just about the same, right? And then all of a sudden we played um, Notre Dame. And I think we were both like five, one and one in the league. And it was for first place in the league. And they had beaten us four nothing last year, regular season. And then we beat them on penalties in the ACC tournament. And we had a pretty comprehensive victory against um, against uh, um, uh, Notre Dame. And, and actually a couple games before that, Jordan Dudley. So you talk about the evolution of the front group. Jordan Dudley have been playing wide because Beato Olsen has been the nine here for a while. And you guys know you when you coach good players, you can't just start putting people in different places without thought, right? And without a method to it. You have to be sensitive to to their history and time in the program and their egos and all of it. And uh we had to play a 4-4-2 against Carolina because they were playing a 3-6-1 and we felt like our 4-4-2 matched them. And that was a couple games before the Miami situation that I, I was telling you about. And and I'm very thankful to Carolina. They might be the MVP of our season by playing a three-back because otherwise we don't go into that 4-4-2. Mm-hmm. 
And so in that game, it's Olsen and, and uh, Jordan Dudley up top. And that's the Jordan Dudley coming out party that game, right? That mm-hmm. was two goals in that game. Everybody's now raving about her. And then the next week we, we had a sit down meeting with Beata. And we said, look, we, we were playing a 4-4-2 because we wanted to be able to give teams a different look, even though this program has been a 4-3-3 for quite a while. And uh, we said, Piazza, if we go back to a 4-3-3, Jordan will be our nine. Because um, otherwise, I think I would have to march into our athletic director's office and fire myself if I put <laughs> Jordan back out of the wing. Um, and so, so it meant Piazza embracing a, a role as a right winger. Right. Then the other change we met, made was Jody Brown had been a winger and Ekachini was that second 10 with Huff replacing um, replacing uh, Nice Wonger and Robbins from last year. But Ekachini's at her best when she's close to goal. And so going into that Notre Dame game, we said to Ekachini because she's been wanting to she came into this fall really wanting to to, to play as a 10 and grow as a 10. And she did that for that first half of the season. And we wanted a bigger body up top against the three back at Notre Dame. And so we had that conversation with her and Jody and flipping those two. And we we were really, really good in that Notre Dame game. And the score was four to one. The possession was was, you know, a lot to, you know, average. And so much so to where, and total credit to Nate Norman. After the game, our team is stretching. Nate comes up to me and he says, Can I address your team? And he says to them, he says, only a couple times in my career have I coached a team that has been so dominated in the way that you guys dominated our team today. And I think our team, based on last year's results against Notre Dame, has a high high, high amount of respect for Notre Dame. And they Mm -hmm. knew what they just did to Notre Dame, right? And you guys, we've all been there where we can say what we want to a team, but until our team either says it to each other or feels it in their guts – our words may not matter. And that Notre Dame game said a lot to our team. And I think it was in that game where they believed, okay, we're pretty good and maybe we can do something special. And the Jalen's and the Emily's and all those and the Jenna's that have come before us. Okay. They're gone now. It's our team and we can do something special with our team right here. That's awesome. So, and you kind of answered a little bit, but of the, during the season, how many 11 player lineup changes did you have? In other words, like these were our top 11, but in this game, it was two different yeah. ones or three different ones. How, how close did it say to that group of 11? Yeah, very close. Um, I'd say the only couple tweaks that Carolina game I referenced, Jody was away with Canada, uh, with Canada at, at Canada with uh, Jamaica. And then, uh, and then, um, so Leah Pace, a grad transfer from Pitt, kind of um, stepped in for her. And then uh, we had three outside backs that we were rotating. But Mimi Van Zandt, really, um, after that, in that Notre Dame game, she was great. And then after that game, we started her. And I think we had 11 games after that. I think we had the same starting lineup the last 11 games of our season. Wow. But then wow. Pro- probably the six, seven, eight games before that, only one or two tweaks. Well, that's a, a big key, isn't it? And keeping that consistency. All right. I'm going to ask you one more question without Brian asked question. Um, toughest non-conference or toughest game during the regular season, conference, non-conference, which one was it? 
Well, I mean, obviously, <laughs> we, we 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 tied Carolina on a on a on a corner kick with ten seconds left. Yeah, right. Yeah, um, yeah. Crazy game because with fifteen minutes left, we're winning two to one and thinking, okay, we're going to get out of here potentially with a two one win on the road, and then all of a sudden you blink and, and you're down three two, right? So getting that draw was a big deal. Uh, Pitt, the Pitt. That game after Notre Dame, we played Pitt at home. We were losing one nothing at half, and that was the only time we trailed at half all season. Um, and then, you know, our attack, they, they, we feed off of um, we feed off of our pressure, we feed off of our home crowd, we feed off of goals. And in that pit game, we scored three goals in a twelve minute span, um, and then they got one back, and it was three two. So, so I'd say Carolina home against Pitt, and then probably the ACC final. Um, against Clemson, they were really good and physical in yeah. that game and made it hard for us um, and finished 2-1. And again, you know, you guys were talking about this team. It's all credit to our players, but like you said, undefeated. And, and um, we, we had one tie, obviously, and then three games where we won by one goal. And then our other 19 games were, were uh, you know, by two or more. And, wow. and that's just, again, a crap. Yeah. <laughs> trust me. Trust me. Like I sat there on the sidelines <laughs> just watched and, and stayed out of the way, right? And let them do their thing in a special group. That's awesome. Yeah, Brian, go ahead. Hey, Brian, you mentioned uh, the five, only having the five non-conference games on an open weekend. Was that by design or yep. just happened that way? And what's your reflections on it? moving forward yeah. for future yeah. years. Yeah. And uh, Bobby, my assistant and I were talking about it yesterday, heading into next year. I think my last fall in 21 at Tennessee, we might've had 17. And then when I got here in, <clears throat> excuse me, in uh, April, May of 22, we had 15 on the schedule. And that's when we picked up our game with you, Brian. And that became yeah. our 16th. So we only played 16 a year ago. And then we had 15 and we were trying to pick up at least another one or two. But in both years, our 2022 roster, we had 20 players. This past fall, we had 21 players. So both years, we were thin on bodies. And both years, we didn't play many games. I mean, Bobby's words to me yesterday were that two-week break between Texas and then I think our next our trip to Texas and then uh, our next game was South Florida. You know, we we – we got our World Cup kids rested, and then we got Leilani healthy. He's like that two. He said that two week stretch might have saved our season. Um, and then we we had a strength coach at Tennessee my last couple of years, a guy named Johnny Fabrizius. He was really good. And I remember him telling me back in like nineteen or twenty, he said he listened to a podcast uh, from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and this was before, right before Tom Brady went there, and. This guy, the strength coach said at the Buccaneers, we lost a lot of games in November and December because of what we did in August and September. Oh. And basically the team was just shot. And so I think 15 is too few because as we all know, right, you have to win games, <laughs> you know? And so if you have 15 oh. games and you go three and two or two, two and one, it's a problem. If you're five and oh, life is okay. But and, and so there was a little bit more stress in a 16-game season and a 15-game season. And even, you know, at Tennessee in the 17-game season, you better make good of your games, right? Because you have fewer of them. Um, however, 
there. And as I get older in my career, there's no there's no substitute for freshness. There's yeah. no substitute for it. You know. Um, so and then do you and think, that was. Uh, yeah. yeah, I was gonna yeah, say, go Brian, Do you think? Do you think that? Had, I mean, I think it probably does. And maybe it's a moot point, but that have a lot to do with how fresh you guys were at the end of the season and how you were flying at the end. There is, there is no question. And yeah. it's, it's fewer games now, let now, you know, a little grain of salt, both of these seasons, no overtimes. However, mm-hmm. we only had one tie this year, last year, regular season, we had two. And then at the end of the season, in, uh, in, uh, postseason we had one um but uh no question a combination of fewer games and then i think also um our our, just our training um periodization um and just how hard we we how hard we train how hard we don't train yeah (laughs) you know and just keeping our kids fresh so talk to us a little bit about training brian how was like to get that group to be playing at the level they were playing at at the end. And again, I'm going to talk about the backs here in a minute, but that front group is sophisticated as they were and fun to watch and, and impressive. How much are you, are you putting that on training them to individually? Like how did we get so well-schooled and so smooth and in bringing in, you know, bringing in guys off the bench too, wasn't just the front three. You brought guys in to play up there as well with a good subbing pattern like, is that, you feel good about that came a lot out of the training ground? I think so. I think, uh, I, well, first of all, it starts with just who, who are we talking about here, right? We're yeah. talking about phenomenal athletes, yeah. right? And so phenomenal athletes that as a, as a coach, sometimes your job is don't screw them up. You yeah. know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Protect them. You know, yeah. as silly as that may seem, like, um, you know, protect them, right? Take care of them and make sure they are who they are, right? When they need to be them, as 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 silly as that sounds. And so, um, so I think it's uh, just a combination of like like our our training week. You know, we we had you know NCAA tournament is one game, two games, one game, two games, right? Going all the way through. So um, we would play in training, say, on a Monday before, like our, our Friday A&M game. Um, we, played 11, we would play 11 v. 11, two times eight minutes. And it was box to box, so 85-yard field. And with a stoppage here, here or there, but not much. And then beyond that, like a passing activation to get into that, and then maybe some um, – know some small group work after that but then that's it and then mm-hmm. and then on wednesday um you know play again and then uh you know but that's that's like maybe two times five um, yeah. and uh and now these are good players and they're competitive and they're intense and like going into the college cup weekend we, we did the same thing monday wednesday and all i'm saying with bobby is just don't get hurt. Just don't get hurt. Don't mm-hmm. kill each yeah. other. They yeah. are so competitive, right? And like, we just got to get, we just got to get to carry. We just got to get to carry out, yeah. right? <laughs> um, and then, and then a lot of walkthrough. I mean, our our our, our team is again. Mark Kerkorian recruited a lot of these players, 
and then we brought a few in ourselves over the last couple of years. They're all incredibly cerebral, right? And so, um, um, you know, when we talk through, and honestly, I had a little bit of a wow moment a year and a half ago, Brian, when we went to to play you guys, and you guys were playing, I think, a three-five-two, and we did a walkthrough with chairs day before how we wanted to defend you uh, when the ball was in our back half. And it was a little bit cockeyed, to be honest, and I'd never done it before, but we did a walkthrough with chairs and then our players carried it out like to an absolute T and we walked through it for five minutes. And I remember walking away from that game, like, geez, <laughs> these players are so smart. They're so <laughs> smart. Right. And, and, and that just matters. And so it goes back to the athlete piece goes back to, um, you know, our, 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 our careful training sessions and being so methodical in everything we do. And then, the, and then, and then, like I said, the belief that grew over the course of the season. And then probably the biggest thing is this team was so determined. They were so determined. They were, they were, it's so easy to sit here and say, oh, they weren't going to be denied. But this team literally, they were, they, they were not going to be denied. They were just on a mission and, 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 you know, they had the last national championship team. That was Jenna's team. That was, you know, sorry, that was, uh, that was um, Jalen Howell's team. That was Emily Madrill's team, right? That was Gabby Carl's team. Yuji Zhao, right? Some others. This was their team. And this was their team a year ago, but we didn't win, mm-hmm. right? And so this was their chance to, to leave their own legacy. And these kids are so competitive and they're so athletic and they're so talented. They just weren't going to be denied. And so when I say it was my job in large part to give them some thoughts and give them some ideas and some pressing ideas and then just let them go, unleash them. That was it. That was 100 percent it. I remember you. I remember talking to you last year at the Final Four and on the field, and you're like, "I just got to stay out of the way, Matt. I just got to stay out of the way," you know. And and that to, to be fair, you probably could have went back to back because I think you were the best team last year too. Honestly, watching you play. But um, all right, so a couple. We'll move into the Final Four now. Um, holistically, Brian, positive negatives in the sport of women's soccer. Now you've been there a couple of years back to back. What changes or what do we do really well from a um, you know, soccer standpoint was something that you would like to see change. Is there anything you'd like to see change or think that's this part is really, really good or, or anything about the actual final four weekend other than to me, you know, the extra day rest is key in there. Um, obviously the Friday, yeah. Monday, but anything yeah. that pops out at you that, you know, this is something that I think we could do such a better job at. Or well, I don't we did know. Do I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know if it was you guys that said this a week or two ago, but you know that same weekend, I I I remember two years ago, ECNL Murfreesboro or Murphy's yeah Murfreesboro right was uh was that was Santa Clara versus um BYU and Florida State versus Rutgers right yep. it's late in the afternoon the EC the uh national selection game that is that night I said. <laughs> Heck with that, man. I'm going to pick up dinner. I'm going to sit in my hotel room and I'm going to watch the college cup. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so why is there not an ECNL event on that Friday night at the college cup where many, many, many of the top players in the country are watching these games live, the supposed top four teams in the country. Right. And instead it's the exact opposite. <laughs> They're all at the field cheering for their teammates in this next national selection game, of which they have eight now 
per year, right? And yeah. so I don't know if this answers your question, but that's the greatest stage, right, for 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 college soccer. And that's what all these ECNL players aspire to. They should be there. They should all yeah, be there. No doubt. The games, you know, it, and it's, I think it, it's sad. Yeah. Yes. It it's sad. It really is. And I think I don't you know the trick is where do we put it? Kerry has their tournament and easy, you know, the battle between those guys, but totally. it just it's 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 too bad because you look at the again volleyball, they have their com- committee or their convention around the final four. So yep. all the coaches are there yep. doing the convention all week and then they get to watch the games. It'd be awesome. So it's amazing. yeah, it's amazing. it is. Uh Brian, go ahead. Brian Lee, go ahead. Question. Talk, talk to us about uh, the assimilation to the ACC and, and to FSU for your for your uh, SEC transfers. Is really yeah. you got three of them? Maybe is that the right number? Yes, yes. Uh, two of them. Well, um, one of uh, there's another one, Beata, and she was not mine, but she was at Florida for a yeah. year. Yeah. Right. So and then and then Claire Rain, who did not play this year because she was she was out for an ACC an ACL but yes that front five of ours three of them yeah. it just means more baby um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, uh, so Ekagini's a wild story right like we we were looking at her at Tennessee John Morgan was talking to her and we didn't have money for her and so she went to Mississippi State and we've all been there where Okay, the kid you passed on or the kid you didn't have money for, she comes back and she stabs you in the heart, right? Well, Ekajini stabbed us in the heart um, in 2019. She scored a goal. We needed to win the game to get to Orange Beach. We tied the game one-to-one, right? Ekajini goal, right? And, uh, and then March 15th, 2022, she goes in the portal. And I contact her right away. I asked her, and I'm still at Tennessee. I asked her what she's looking for. And... Uh, she says she wants to go to the ACC. And I said, all right, well, look, we'd love to have you here and this and that. And at the time, I mean, you know, the portal rules literally change every year, right? Literally change every year, okay? Well, in the spring of 22, the portal was going to close on May 1st the, the for fall um, sports, right? right? Well, there was an SEC rule that said if you're a fall sport, you can't transfer within the league. Um, um after February 1st, you can't right. go in the portal after February 1st if you're a fall sport. Well, like a genie went in on March 15th. So I contacted compliance and I said, can we do a waiver, you know, this and that. And uh, they sent me, you know, the hard firm Greg Sankey letter saying that there will be no waivers and we're sticking to our guns here. And this is that. And I was like, well, you know, I'm not great at taking no for an answer. And I kept <laughs> kind of trying to fight it and all this. And then middle of April or so the the FSU thing started to happen. So when I got here, literally Ekagini texted me and we talked about this and I was (laughs) kind of talking about her at the the dinner the other night. I asked her, I said, did any ACC schools reach out to you? And she said, no. Right. And it was six weeks, six weeks, right? Like wild. Nobody, nobody wanted her. Plenty of teams could have had her. Right. And uh, and she was still there. And I was talking to her the whole time and I said, all right, well, guess what? You're not going to come to Tennessee. We're both going to go to Florida State instead. <laughs> and uh, and here she was coming off a season. We, we always knew she was a good player, but she was coming off her junior year at Mississippi State. She scored two goals. 
two goals. All right. Amazing. And then what I said, I said when I'm addressing her in this dinner, I'm like, nobody wanted you. And here we are, 27 goals and 11 assists later, Herman Trophy finalist. Right. Unbelievable. And she's about to sign with a with a, a very top club in Italy. And uh, and she almost didn't come back this fall. I lost easily five years of my life this summer throughout the World Cup because uh, Manchester United and many other top clubs were after her this summer when she was at the World Cup. Great. And then wow. and then and then Huff, you know, she's also a. a um, um, you know, a, a humble kid, you know, Joe, Joe Akajini didn't know if she was going to be able to fit in here. Right. She, she was still scared to come to Florida State because she didn't want to be on the bench. Well, Taylor Huff didn't know how she was going to fit in. Right. And, and in her recruitment process last winter, I lost actually a little bit of time in my life, too, because she went and visited Robbie at Duke. She went and visited um, um, Steve at Virginia. She was supposed to go to Notre Dame, but thankfully her credits wouldn't transfer and she would have some progress towards degree issues, but she took a full on recruiting tour and eventually finally, you know, decided to come here and then had a very quick coming out party in that Texas trip. First weekend of the season, she had both game winners at A&M and TCU and, uh, and settled in nicely. And she knew she was stepping into nice longer and Robin shoes. And I think seven goals, 14 or 15 assists. So um, did uh, obviously admirably well. And then there's Olsen, right? And every kid has a story. Beata Olsen couldn't get here in the fall of 20 because of COVID um, and visa issues from Sweden. So she enrolled the poor kid enrolled spring of 20, uh, spring of 21. Yes. At Florida, a month into her stint there, Becky Burley announces her retirement. Right. So she goes in the portal and she's deciding between schools. She's like, oh, I'll go to Florida State. Wins a national championship. And a couple months after that, Mark Krikorian, he announced his <laughs> retirement. Right. And so obviously to Beyonce, he said, Bob, Beyonce, you're the only common denominator here. People coach you and they leave in a heartbeat. <laughs> right. Uh, and uh, so, but she weathered the storm and, uh, uh, thankfully wound up having a good career and uh, being a big contributor, obviously down the stretch and a goal and three assists. And my, my first individual meeting with her, she said, I want to score goals in important games. Yes. I had a lot of goals this fall in 21, but I want to score goals in important games. And I said it to her on the field right after the national championship. I'm like get a goal and three assists tonight. That's pretty important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So um, here's an important question, Brian. What was the best part of the celebration after the win? Like, were you relieved? Were you excited? Were you like, what was the best part for you when, when that clock hit zero or maybe when you hit the third or fourth goal, but what was the best part for you when you finally realized, okay, we, we've done it. Was it relief? Was it excitement? What, what was the, what was the feeling? What was the best part? Um, I, 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 I'd say obviously just, the, that it's that it's over okay that that really two things right when, when, when the clock you know and, and there are several things that are happening and, and you guys have been there when games are about to end that are big that you're that, that are about to go to zero on the clock you want to stop the clock right you want to freeze the moment because you don't want the <laughs> moment to be gone right yeah and so that moment where it's over and it's and it's official that's it and then the second moment, and it's now my 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 uh, home screen screensaver, whatever on my phone. I, I've got three kids, twins that are seniors in college, and then a, a, a son who's a sophomore in college, and then my wife. My three kids didn't come to the final because they're like 
I don't want to be there in the semifinal if you lose. What's that about? It's only about if we're in the <laughs> final. And and we have somebody took a picture of the five of us in a group hug. And uh that's and again, cool. Again, you guys know, right? It's not easy to be a coach. It's not easy to be a coach's wife. It's not easy to be a coach's kid. Um, and uh they've been through it all. And so for us to be on that stage in that moment um was a pretty special moment as a family. That's cool. Very cool. All right, I got just two more questions for you, and we'll get you out of here. Um, SEC ACC comparison. You've been in both now for a couple, a number of years. How do you compare yeah. the two leagues? Yeah, obviously the SEC and SEC football, and uh, and um, you know what what Greg Sankey has done, and then what Nick Saban and some of these other football coaches have done. You know, there's a lot of money in that league, right? a lot of money in that league and that's why there's been you know some, some talk and you know lack of steadiness in some of these other conferences right um so sec and, and and the big 10 i think a little bit but honestly the big 10 the big 10 so many of the big 10 schools have so many sports right yeah. that they you know i was at maryland when maryland was in the acc maryland's now in the big 10 and i talked to some of the coaches there they're still operating like you know, this may be an exaggeration. Like they're a poor ACC school, right? Back mm -hmm. in 2010, you know? So the SEC is just swimming in it. And, and so they're able to fund their programs at a just crazy level. The coaches in the ACC, they are all, and ever since I got there, I admire all of them because they are, they are dogs, right? They are absolute work, work horses, right? And every single game is, just it's like the EPL right it is just absolute sweat blood and tears and anyone can beat anyone and I remember listening to you guys down the stretch right the last week or two of the season and the table within the SEC was there was Arkansas who was kind of above everybody else and I don't remember whether it was South Carolina maybe just below them and then and then maybe Missouri you know was at the bottom and then after that it was like three through 13 or whatever the numbers are separated by five or six points. Right. Yeah. And so an absolute bear, I think in the, in the, in the ACC, I mean, a year ago we had five teams in the elite eight, right. Two in the college cup this year, four in the elite eight. If you tack Stanford onto that, that, that makes five in the elite eight. So, and, and that's on a year when, when Virginia and Duke an anomaly, right. Virginia and right. Duke are down this year. And obviously Pitt and Clemson had phenomenal years. So the high of the of the ACC is pretty darn high, right? Mm -hmm. um, and and then and then this year, right? Some of these, you know, lower teams, and it resulted unfortunately, right? I, I we hate it. You guys have been amazing talking about the coaching changes and how much we all hated for all these coaches, right? It led to some coaching changes within our league, right? But so before you know it, I think. Ken's going to get Miami going down there, right? He's, he, he's when you talk about a dog, right? He's going to work his tail off, right? He's going to recruit his tail off. And then we'll see what BC does. And I think the bottom, some of these teams, I mean, Nikki at, at Syracuse, she had a down year. She had a ton of injuries. A year ago, she was tying Clemson. She was tying Virginia. She was doing a really good job at kind of getting off the ground. Took a step back this year, but hopefully she can get back on track. And same thing with, with uh, Karen at Louisville, a little bit of a down year, but I'm sure they'll get back 
back on track. And I think slowly climbing his wake. Um, Tony, Tony has a good team and they won some good games. The RPI is we've talked about. You guys have talked about. It's a funny, funny thing. It's a weird yeah. thing, right? A lot of people talked about how good wake was, but they were sitting at 80 all season. Right. So, um, so that's my answer to that question. Yeah. All right. Last, last two. One, put you on the spot. FSU to the big 10. <laughs> you know what? You are the third person I had. Who was the first one? Oh, an old buddy of mine whose son is at Northwestern. He, he asked me that. Then one of our parents asked me that last night, and then you just asked me that. I asked my boss when I heard from my Northwestern buddy. She she said, "quote unquote," it would be news to me. Um, okay. However, <laughs> you know, oh, you never know. You never know. <laughs> our, our, our athletic director is, you know, not minced words, you know. Mm. Um, uh, we shall see. I know nothing, and unsurprisingly, yeah. I know nothing. You know, <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, All right, here's my last question. Big, big, yep. important question. Here yep. we go. You ready? I got I to I make sure I read it properly. I don't want to screw it up. This is a very this is most important one I've asked you on the night. Okay. Will yep. the commanders win a Super Bowl in the next five years? You taking the over or the under? Those that know, Brian, Brian and I are huge commanders fans. We uh we we struggle year in and year out. Our kids struggle year in and year out. So I'm putting them yeah. on the spot. New ownership, big good looking yeah. quarterback. Will we win in the next five years? No. <laughs> no, and I am 100% that this is self heart preservation. I am protecting my own heart, not a chance. Not a chance. Love it. Love it. Brian Lee, anything else? No, just this, Brian. You've done a fantastic job. That, that, um, you know, we can talk about the players, all that kind of stuff, but the situation you came into following Kokorian. And to have done what you've done in three seasons is really highly, highly commendable, really, really impressive. And all the individual accolades that I think you're going to get at the end of this year are, are very well out. So congratulations. I think we were pretty well, outspoken on this podcast, Brian, about who wants to follow Mark, what an impossible job. And, and you've done a, just a great job. And and uh, and I think the 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 um, this is the. Players are continuing to come in there and it's going to keep rolling. So good luck and congratulations. We'll obviously see you in the trail, but thanks so much for coming on. You're excellent. Just exactly what we're looking for. Appreciate it. And once again, congratulations from college soccer nation. All right. Thanks fellas. Appreciate it. Yep. See ya. <clears throat> All right, Brian, that was awesome. I thought that, uh, I mean, he's sharp guy. I mean, great insight to, um, you know, the top program in the country. And, you know, if you're a coach out there, you should go back and maybe listen to him a few times about what he talked about with some of his periodization and his approach. And, you know, sometimes, you know, less is better, right? Leave the players alone, let them do their thing. Um, and maybe they're sometimes smarter than you think they are. So um, what were your takeaway? I thought it was brilliant. I thought it was chock full of uh, some really good information for coaches from an experienced championship coach. Um, and I, I thought he, he, he was great to give us some good insights into how they operate. I think it's always impressive too with Brian, you know, the, the, um, 
he he gives a lot of credit to Mark Kikorian, as I think we all would if we were in that in that spot. But he did lay down a foundation of just excellence and standards and success, and and those kids are still buying into that, which is is great, great for him as he goes on in the future. Okay, well now let's uh, shift to a bunch of three knuckleheads. Um, no, really, <laughs> one knucklehead and two great guys. But uh, we're going to bring in uh, the mayor, Robbie Church, who's back in with us. He he was not available for that uh, part that we need to record with Brian, but now he's with us. Churchy, how you doing tonight? Good, good. Got a little <laughs> bit, of, a little end of Brian. Uh, good, good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. Guys, I think a fantastic way to kind of close out the 23 season uh, is to have, you know, our, our national championship coach on. So congratulations to Brian and Florida State. Well, let's just say this. If, uh, let's say that Alabama wins the national championship in football or Michigan or 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 uh, what was our Washington or um, who's uh, Texas. Do you think many podcasts are going to have the national championship coach on? That's the level of podcast. This is fellas college soccer nation. We can get the national champion on a week after. Anyway, uh, I think, I think we had to break the bike. Didn't all the money that. We oh yeah. 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 We, we paid a lot of money to, for Brian to come on. Didn't we, we had to break the bike to get Brian on. We so. did. We did. Um, okay. So what I want to do is just, let's wrap it up, right? Let's wrap up the season. The college season is in the books is a, uh, Fun, exciting, uh, exhilarating, painful, you name it. All the emotions of the season. We're going to go league by league and maybe just talk about some highlights and even if some lowlights if we want, but highlights of each season or each league of our Power Nine that we always talk about. So we'll start in the ACC. I think some of the big highlights, obviously, Florida State, undefeated season, national championship. But what a year for Clemson and Pitt, right? Great years for them. Uh, comments from that, Brian Lee? I mean, the emergence of Clemson and Pitt, uh, very, very cool. You know, and, and you look at Clemson with both the women and the men in the Final Four this year, uh, they've really got something going. It's a good statement to investment in facilities. You know, their, their, their new training center practice area is second to none. And on the Pitt side, great AD going out to get a, a really experienced coach six, seven years ago and it's not easy to get programs turned around, but uh, Randy's done it in a big way. Sure. Churchy, want to talk about your league? Yeah, no, I, I think both of them are, are two teams you need to talk about. Obviously, I think they're a little different. Clemson has been there probably since, you know, the last eight or so years, but hasn't had that kind of breakout year. They did have an ACC regular season championship. I do know that personally, as they won it on our field. Uh, as, Ellie, as Eddie celebrated uh, wholeheartedly on our field with it. But um, they they did have that, and they've been in the tournament a number of years. But I thought they were really one of the most consistent teams that I've seen all year. I thought, again, they didn't score a lot of goals. They didn't give up a lot of goals. Uh, their possession was really, really good. They, they were one of the older teams in our league, and I think that says a lot. But, you know, just because you're old doesn't mean you're going to win. You're going to win. And, you know, I think his staff, Eddie and his staff, they did a, a fantastic job. Pitt, on the other hand, you could see something brewing, but, you know, I'm not smart enough to see how it turned out like this year. You knew the last two years uh, before this, so go three years back, um, they, were, they were extremely hard to score on, extremely hard to score on. We we. We beat them in 22, one nothing, and kind of an own goal. 
Now we have possession of the ball most of the time. And you were just like, if this team had some forwards, if this team had attacking personalities, um, they would be they would be fantastic because Randy's one of the best coaches in the country, um, and and especially defensively and coming up with a game plan. And then you know they had some of their players develop. They brought in some players, so it was a combination of of different players. I thought that, uh, and you know, once again, it's like once they started winning games, and and then they it went into ACC. They got their first big win. They beat us uh, at, at Pitt for the first time. They took points off of us. And their confidence just skyrocketed. So, you know, and then it, it took them all the way through, all the way through the tournament. So, I mean, a fantastic job in both of them. Um, you know, I, I think that was, uh, I think they were the, the two highlights, of course, with Brian and FSU winning the national championship. That has to be, that has to be said too. Yeah, not bad. All right, let's go to the AAC. Right. So I think it kind of almost starts and stops with Memphis uh, having this fantastic year going undefeated, winning the league and winning the tournament. I think, you know, nowadays, guys, that's so hard in any league. Right. You, you've seen it fewer and fewer times where teams can go through their league and go undefeated and then also win uh, win the tournament, which is really difficult for teams. But Memphis did that, had a fantastic year, making it into the Sweet 16 um, down there in Arkansas. So credit to to Memphis. Anybody else you want to highlight in that league there, Brian Lee? No, I think you're spot on. Yeah, you know, for for the AEC this year is really a, a a one horse show. Memphis was really dominant. I was happy to see him make a good run in the NCAA's. You know, because the other side of it, I think it's it's very difficult for a team like that um, that's you know got a significant talent edge for their last ten games or so, however many conference games you play of the year. And they're playing teams sitting deep. And, you know, it's just an odd type game. So the first time they probably played a competitive game in five weeks, just about, maybe six weeks, was in the NCAA tournament. So I was, I was happy to see him make a run. Awesome. Anything to add, Churchy? No, I think that was well said. You know, I, I guess for me, we always think of Memphis and we always think of, you know, excellence and in, in the top team in their league. But I, the pace that they scored goals, especially early was pretty amazing. It was pretty amazing sitting back and looking for the distance. I mean, they were banging in goals probably in the month of August and September, like it was for fun. And then like yeah. Brian said, people started to sit back into them the last five or six weeks, um, you know, and, and they had to figure out how to beat those systems. So I think it's a, a job well done by their coaching staff. All right. WCC Gonzaga with the win of the league and maybe the surprise of this, the season. Um, but great season for them, kind of knocking off Santa Clara. Uh, um, but, you know, WCC, I think the big surprise was Gonzaga. Anything to add on either of that, you guys, either one of you guys? I think if it comes to fruition that Washington State's coming over, that'd be a lot of fun. Yeah, you know, I with agree. With the loss of BYU, they could really use one more really good program in, yeah. in the league. Um, totally. So, you know, I think that's kind of the big offseason news. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. that would make it real interesting. All right, uh, Big East. Robbie, take this one. We got Xavier with a, you know, now they have a new coach and a new uh, new deal over there. But um, when Nate headed off to Kansas, yeah. but the Big East again it was a pretty much a two horse race again in Georgetown and Xavier. Anything you want to add with them? No, I I think you know we we've talked about it. I think there's an, a pretty incredible run that Nate had at Xavier. What was it, twenty some games? We we think that they won conference games in a row, um, you know, uh, and and you know 
the beast of the East over there in Georgetown has been there for years and Dave's team does it year in and year out. And for them to kind of go toe for toe um, with each other. And a lot, I think they tied during, this, during some during the regular season, um, you know, I think was a really good job and he's kind of parlayed that into a job at Kansas. So yeah. uh, it will be interesting to see, you know, his system's different, um, how he plays. Um, you know, it's and, and he's been successful with that at Xavier. Is that going to be a system in Kansas? Is he going to be able to play like that? You know, will it be successful as it was at Xavier? Those will be things to kind of look forward in the future. For sure. All right. Brian's favorite league, the Ivy. Right. Duke the NCAA tournament committee again and getting <laughs> four teams in, all four seeded. Greatest ever. He had Harvard into the final four. And- <laughs> Chris Adam winning the national championship and they <laughs> fell flat on their faces in the NCAA tournament. Uh, but Brian thoughts on the Ivy this year. Well, it's not the committee. They fool. It's the, the RPI. They yeah, done. true. True. Good point. So, Good point. You know, their numbers are, are great or were great again. And you know, it, it, it's a, it, regardless of the NCAA tournament, no one making a deep run They're uh, you know, the top half of that league is good. Yeah. And and I think they're going to stick around. Their recruiting's been at a, a very high level. Columbia was a nice surprise team this year to kind of make it a big four in the league. But, you know, they're still waiting on that breakthrough, uh, you know, in the national tournament. But you know who else is? The SEC, the Big Ten, Northern Penn <laughs> State. You know, yeah. it's the ACC's world right now. So making yes, a run is. in the NCAAs is, is really tough because you're bound to run into an ACC team somewhere. Sooner or later, you have to, yep. All right, let's go over to the Big Ten. Big Ten. Robbie, take the Big Ten away for us. What do we think about that? I, I'm going to, real quick, before you say that, my boys at Nebraska, fantastic year. Uh, John and the crew, what a great year to win the league and Michigan State win the league. But uh, some excitements there in, in the Big Ten. We got, Robbie? Yeah, no, I, I think everybody knew, you know, Nebraska, a lot of people thought Nebraska should have been in the tournament the year before. Sure. And and kudos to them as they, you know, kind of used it as motivation pro- during the offseason into the season. Um, speaking of banging in goals, uh, how about Nebraska during the season and how about their yeah. forward that yeah. ended up, what was it, 28 goals? Was it something yeah. like that? About 28 yeah. goals. Yeah. You know, great job. I mean, that's that's a number you don't hear about. Um, yeah. You know, and so I, I think, you know, congratulations to them for their year, for their year. And I thought they were very good. You know, the big surprise for me in that league is Iowa and, and winning the tournament coming. Did they, was it eighth place? Was that correct? Yep. Um, it, yeah. came out of, it came out of the conference room. See, we wouldn't even have anybody at ACC do that because we only have six teams that show up. In the- <laughs> so uh, they came out of eighth place to win a really good league, led the led uh, everybody with the most with the most teams in the tournament. So you know, I, I thought that that was kind of the biggest shock for that that week. And then I think you know Michigan State continuing to go and you know put on really really strong seasons back to back to back. Uh, since um, since they've been there, so yeah, I think it was it was always an interesting league. You know, Penn State, Penn State showed their quality in the NCAA tournament, and then they had people like Indiana showed up for the first time in the NCAA tournament. So um, you knew I had to sneak that one in, but but you know, I think it was a, it was a good year for them. But again, they're still looking for that run into the Final Fours and in, and continue to get national championships. Yeah. You know, <laughs> we'll see what happens. We we'll see what happens next year. Big Ten, 
going to be different. And we talked about that last week. UCLA, yeah. USC coming down the road. Washington, down. Oregon. I'm watching, <laughs> bring it, bring it yeah. those for. So I think that's going to change the, the dynamics a lot. And it'd be interesting to see how it does. What well, FSU's right, names get thrown around with the Big Ten? Yeah, so, that'd be real interesting. You know? Yes, I've, I've seen a lot of that. Um, and I don't know, you know, FSU, Clemson, and Carolina have been kind of bunched in, you know, for a long time. You know, and everybody thought they would go to SEC, but I, I haven't ever seen anything that said the SEC really wants those teams. But it looks like it looks like the Big Ten and FSU could be a match. Well, that would be fascinating. What a what a soccer league it is! If all of a sudden you had FSU, UCLA, that's the last three national champions, um, yeah. would be yeah. in, and we talk about it all the time with Penn State kind of ruling the league, but. The Michigan State's, Nebraska's, Iowa's that have won trophies here recently. I don't like their chances in the future. If you got UCLA, FSU, and Southern Cal, so put those trophies right at the front of the office, shine them up every day, make sure everybody sees them. Yeah. All right, let's go into the Big Twelve with the BYU, the debutante coming in, and uh, um, it, but not winning a trophy. We are making the final four, but didn't win a trophy in the in the Big 12. So Texas Tech won the regular season. Texas won the tournament. But BYU at the end made it to the final four. Um, but another good year for the Big 12. Maybe one of the better years lately, obviously, bringing in the four new teams in, in uh, BYU and UCF, Houston, <clears throat> and Cincinnati. Uh, but BYU, it looks like they're going to be a strong team in that league for a long time. Brian, what do you think? I think that's true. You know, the uh, TCU was a little bit down by their normal standards. Uh, you know, right now, can they kind of get back to the top and really challenge BYU? And I think you're making a great point. BYU didn't win either. Texas won the tournament. Texas Tech won the regular season. And we talked in preseason about, uh, you know, it's, BYU is going to be a tough place for, for all the teams to go play if they haven't been there before. Blah, 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 blah. But on the flip is true as well. You know, for BYU having to go to all these places, Norman's sure. not fun to be yeah. a visiting team. You know, certainly Lubbock, that ain't an easy place to play. And, and you know, Stillwater, so on and so forth. So it'll be interesting to see how this all plays out in the coming times. For sure. All right, two more. SEC, Arkansas, range supreme again in the regular season, kind of dominating performance. And then Georgia pops up and wins the tournament. Georgia kind of comes on the scene, makes a sweet 16. And uh, what other thoughts do we have on the SEC as a whole? Bob, Robbie, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think you hit, I think you hit most of them. You knew Arkansas, we all knew Arkansas was there. We really all thought that Arkansas was going to run away with it and they looked like it for a while. I think as quickly as Kadani has turned Georgia around, I think, you know, we all knew that's going to happen for sure. Did we know they were going to win the, the SEC tournament in their second year? No, we 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 didn't know. But, uh, you know, they've done a great job of bringing in transfers in, great, great job of developing players that were that were there. It's a, it's a great school and a great state to draw players. So I think they're going to uh, obviously be a power. But I think the the other one that was so surprising, and again, had a, had a really good year before, was James in Mississippi State. Um, Absolutely. You know, but I thought this year he was really, really consistent. I thought they beat a number of the bigger teams in the SEC and and probably for the first time. And I don't think it was just one. I think it was a couple of them. It was two or three of them that he, that he 
picked off, and I thought they had a fantastic year. So congratulations to to those three teams. I think they were, in my opinion, were standouts in the SEC this year. Yeah, I, I think Kadani laid down his marker pretty fast. Yep. You know, and and Corey Bethune coming back, maybe, maybe Georgia didn't get her on the front end, but that's the first elite Georgia kid to end up at Georgia and be making a big impact in the last like 20 years. They're Kelly O'Hara's of the world have come through and they've all gone elsewhere. So, you know, if Corey Bethune is the first, you know, kind of domino to fall on them starting to keep the best Georgia kids at home, look out. And we might have a legit contender with Arkansas. Um, because, you know, our, because right now you got to look at Arkansas and say, this is, this is pushing a decade of dominance at this point. Um, yeah. in, in three out of league. four. And, and three out of four they've won. Yeah. Yeah. Three out of four league details. Yeah. No doubt. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then last but not least, certainly kind of we, we say goodbye to Pac 12 soccer, right? And um, a, a league that's been really dominant through the years with UCLA and Stanford and Washington State and <clears throat> Cal at times and, and, um, over and over and over again, there that's kind of league's over. It's kind of sad, if I'm being honest. When they had the Pac-12 championship, it was kind of sad uh, to think that that league has fallen apart and um, everybody's kind of gone their own ways. But um, we'll be interesting to see. It's going to be strange thinking about you know UCLA lining up to play Minnesota, you know, in a league game or you know whatever you whatever way you want to look at it. Um, it's going to be strange. And I'm not talking just soccer, but basketball and football. And it's all really, really bizarre. But that's the world we're living in now for sure. So uh, thoughts on the Pac-12 as Stanford made it back to the final. Um, and it looks like they're headed back in the right direction again. Robbie, go ahead. Yeah, let me echo what you said. I, I think it's really sad. It's really sad. This is a great league. What is Bill Walton, the League of Champions? Says yep. Bill Walton calls uh, yeah the league over there too so it's 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 a great league it, and and to me how quickly it just went away and how quickly all these schools got swept up in the other conferences you know we're gonna have we're gonna have Stanford playing Syracuse in an ACC game next year you know and we actually go out we actually our schedule came out we go to Stanford to play and I'm like oh it's a non-conference game you know no it's not a non-conference no, game it's, it, it's for it's for three points you know, so and then having those teams play each other for the last time. I know some of them will play each other in non-conference, but a lot of them will not because they're going in just, you know, so many different directions with it, too. And then obviously leaving Washington State and Oregon State by themselves. As we said, we hope they get into WCC. I think that will add a lot if both of them get into it. So but again, Stanford was class of the league. UCLA was right there. Obviously, surprising, shocking, whatever you want to say, first round upset that they had U, uh, USC we saw firsthand was very, very good too. So I think that the same, the, the cast of characters for the last year were the same up at the top of the league, um, you know, and we'll just see, we'll just see where that league goes and how, and how it, it all shakes out and how they all like to travel. You know, who knows? <laughs> I, I've had, I've heard rumblings. Of, a lot of people saying this is not going to last. They're going to yeah. last in these leagues, but I, I don't know how you can jump in it for a year or two and then jump back out. Yeah. So, Right. Well, you know, in, in to just this season, was Stanford not up until the final, the quietest unbeaten team of like the last 10, 20 years? Anybody remember a team throwing down that kind of record that we talked about so little and had really 
not a lot of national, you know, recognition type conversation about. Yep. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It was crazy. It was crazy, and and a good team. I mean, obviously, this team rolled in the final, but overall, obviously, fantastic year and a fantastic team. It just wasn't their night in the final, but but uh, you know, great season for them. And UCLA looked to be every bit as a uh, dominant again. Just you know, had one of those nights where they couldn't get past past Cal State Fullerton, and so there you go. Um, that's or you Irvine. You see your mind. Sorry, you see your mind. My bad. That's the, I'm, I'm fighting a cold. If you can't tell, my mind's all over the place. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's wrap this up, guys. It's been a good one, been a long one. We will take a little break here through Christmas. <coughs> Excuse me, as the dead period is rolling on us. Um, college soccer nation is going to take a little time in the college of the dead period as well. But Brian, give me your most thing most thing you're thankful for this Christmas season. Um, and what you're doing going into the Christmas holiday, give us a good Christmas cheer story, something. Well, I don't know about a good Christmas cheer story. I'll tell you what I'm, I'm thankful for. The uh, incredible success in like season three, episode 110 or whatever this is for College Soccer Nation. <laughs> I'm very thankful to be a part of this cash cow of a podcast <laughs> that allows us to live these lavish lifestyles the three of us like. Uh, we can't even afford to have Darren on the podcast anymore. We can't even afford that. Uh, Robbie, what about you? Oh, you got some college you basketball in your future? You, you know I have to say that I'm thankful that you guys let me come in on this podcast <laughs> and just be a little part of your world on this on this podcast over here too. So I am thankful. I'm thankful for the laughs and and all the fun that we that we have on this too. And yeah, no, we've we've added a couple of rooms on this beach house because I've joined this podcast. <laughs> over there. So it's uh, but we'll spend a lot of time at the beach with Linda the. And the family, and uh, really, really looking forward to to this. It's been a, it's been a long haul, and you know, I think for all of it, it's been a little bit of a tough year in the soccer field. Um, you know, so looking forward to turning the calendar of twenty twenty three, and let's go to twenty twenty four. It's going to be a much better year, I promise. Yeah, yeah. Well, College Soccer Nation does appreciate everybody that listens and downloads. We hope you enjoy it, like we do enjoy bringing it to you. The numbers are up, and that's why we continue to do it and really work hard to get a schedule to get you guys a pod each week, whether you enjoy it, disagree with us, not agree with us. It, it's nothing. We appreciate you listening. We love feedback. You see us out on the recruiting trail. You see us anywhere, you know, stop by, introduce yourself or give us a, what about this idea? What about that idea? I get them all the time for people and we try and bring them on. We, we really do it for, you know, everybody that listens, the coaches, the, you know, whoever parents, fans want to listen to what we have to say. We appreciate that. I mean, we're no Joe Rogan, not make that kind of money, but we certainly are, uh, or we're making zero point zero zero dollars. Um, <laughs> but we enjoy doing it and bring it to us. Here's to 23. What a great season! Congratulations one more time to Florida State. I'm uh, looking forward to uh, change the change the calendar and into 24. Churchy, I agree. We'll be back at some point. Um, get a get a show going for you, and then we'll start looking into spring and spring games and all things college soccer nation. So once again. Appreciate Brian Lee every week, Robbie Church every week, Darren producing us for 2023, season three, I think, might be four. College Soccer Nation is out.